0: I want to share with you just a little bit, if you were not with us last um, week, that in this uh, month of October, we are really recognizing how this is a shift month, um, that October oftentimes kind of brings about a transition um, in the way in which we see the last part of the year. October starts the last quarter of the year. Um, it actually ushers in a new season. I was concerned that people weren't going to show up for church this morning because it's a little more cool and um, you know couldn't find your sweaters or your little jacket or whatever you might need uh, to make it to church this morning. Um, I want to say that I, I would hope for us that October also becomes um, a moment, a month, for us to stop and to become reflective during this season. If you're not a person who just automatically moves in that direction of thinking of October of a season for reflection, um, that's maybe the, the great invitation I might invite you into to think of this month um, as a season of reflection. But I also believe that it is important not to just simply say go out and reflect without also to having tools and practices that help us to hold that reflection. Um, I'm one of those individuals that when I'm left to my own devices, oftentimes my reflection can turn into overthinking, and overthinking can sometimes keep me from living the life that I believe God is calling me into. Reflection doesn't um, mean that we have to get stuck in a place. Instead, it might move us to more thoughtfulness in our lives. So last week we read from the first chapter of John's gospel where Jesus invites the disciples to consider what they are looking for and what they want and what they need uh, in that season of their lives before they're deployed to be Jesus' disciples. And this week we will see Jesus inviting us into another practice um, for us to hold our, um, our reflection um, as we enter into the last quarter of the year. I'm really grateful for my um, sibling in Christ, Mark, who will come and read from the first chapter in Mark's Gospel, um, that we might see how it is that Jesus leans into the practice of solitude.
1: Here now from the book of Mark. As soon as Jesus and the others left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, along with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. (laughs) Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. (laughs) In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place. There he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. (laughs) When they found him, they said, everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For then their synagogue I came out to do. And Jesus went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to
0: God. So here's this story about Jesus' notoriety in his public ministry. Jesus has healed um, Simon's mother-in-law. She found herself with a fever, lifts her up out of the bed, and she is able to go about her everyday life. And then when that happens, maybe news gets out and folks begin to bring other individuals who find themselves either feeling sick in the body or um, struggling with other circumstances. And for a while, while Jesus is at Simon's mother-in-law's house, um, Jesus begins to heal and to offer up whatever it is that people need in order for them to feel and to be well. The overall kind of um, message underneath Mark chapter 1 and these verses is that Jesus brings wholeness and Jesus brings healing, that there is something about Jesus' presence that restores life. There is something about who Jesus is and how Jesus speaks that people want to draw near to him because Jesus meets them at the place of their greatest needs and also their wants there is this this sense in this passage of scripture that it is more than just fandom that is going on, but in Jesus being present to people at the place of their needs, that it speaks to the power of Christ to meet our needs, to draw near to us, to make us whole and to make us well. That Jesus' public ministry isn't just about performing greatness, but that Jesus is great. But I don't believe that that is the only aspect of the story to pay attention to. You might notice that um, it says that the the demons that Jesus is casting out, um, that Jesus would not allow them to speak so that uh, they would not disclose who Jesus is, the Messiah, the one who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And even though we can see in Jesus' public ministry that, gosh, Jesus is about something that is different than just a spiritual guru who is walking through the land, I don't believe that the only thing that we should pay attention to is what is happening in and through Jesus in this moment. Because even in the midst of Jesus doing all of these things, it says, in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Away from the crowds, away from the buzz, away from the stir, Jesus goes and he prays and spends time by himself to listen, to lean in, and to get very clear about what he is supposed to do. Now, this uh, practice of taking time for solitude, actually shows up over and over again in Jesus' life. After Jesus is baptized by his cousin John, and it says that the heavens open up and a dove alights Jesus, and that you hear from the heavens, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased, right after that moment where Jesus is displayed in this very public like situation, Jesus is thrust into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights by himself to pray and to lean into the spiritual disciplines. When there is a boat being tossed to and fro and the disciples are trying to get from one place where they have been performing miracles to another place that they're going to perform miracles and proclaim the good news of the gospel, it says that Jesus is under the, like, the boat in the hull, sleeping while the disciples are panicked and worried about this storm that is moving the boat to and fro. Even before Jesus' crucifixion, Where does Jesus go to pray but in a garden? Quietly, to get clear. There are these moments in Jesus's life when there is all this external affirmation, when there is this external energy, when there is a lot going on, stir, a buzz, the crowds are coming. They know that this person is not just some ordinary man But that Jesus has something to give them, and what Jesus has to give them is something good. There are these moments, even with all of that external affirmation, Jesus retreats and withdraws for internal confirmation. That as Jesus maybe is seeing all the power that is being displayed in his life, and people are getting excited about it, I wonder how Jesus sees the power within himself. As Jesus is hearing all these people, oh my goodness, did you see what Jesus did for this person? Go get this other person so that Jesus might do it for them as well. I wonder how Jesus is trying to understand how people see him. That he might stop and be still for just a little while. Not only to get swept up with all of the external affirmation. All of the external noise. All of the things that people are saying All of the success that Jesus is portraying, so that Jesus could get quiet and still and clear. We know that it's the morning, and we know that Jesus goes to a deserted place, and we know that Jesus goes to pray. We don't know exactly what happens with conversation with God the Creator and Jesus Christ the Redeemer or how the spirit is at work in that moment. What we do know is that how Jesus responds to when the disciples come to find him might seem a bit odd, or like the opposite thing you would do. Jesus, you have been so successful. Oh my gosh, the people are coming. There is a packed house. We are ready for you. And the disciples come, and you know what they tell him? Jesus, this thing that you have been able to do, this thing that is creating all this notoriety, this thing that is creating a whole buzz, this thing that's getting people talking, this thing that's going to let people follow you and maybe even like go to you to the point of death, come on back. There are folks who are waiting for you in a packed house so you can do the thing that you did yesterday that everyone absolutely loved. And Jesus said, no. Nope, 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 nope. We're going to keep going. Some people would say, uh, based on the cost analysis, Jesus is not making a good decision. (laughs) People want Jesus to do the thing that Jesus was doing, the thing that creates all this external affirmation, a buzz, a stir. And their presence in this packed house is an affirmation of Jesus' gifts and of Jesus' power. And yet Jesus senses a greater call to the ministry. Very clear, not just about the good, but Jesus is very clear about the great. Which helps us to understand, even though we don't know very much about what happens in the morning when Jesus goes to a deserted place to pray, we can deduce this, that out of solitude and silence, There is a greater awareness to the voice of God speaking to Jesus about what Jesus truly needs to do. They don't say what the disciples said to Jesus. If they looked at Jesus and thought, this isn't a smart move, Or, why would you ever do this? When you could have that, why would we keep moving on, not knowing what we are going to get when we go to this next place? But sometimes, out of the clarity that comes in solitude, we're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes, when God whispers in our ears, we're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes the vocation that we lean into, that we know is the place of our passion and the world's greatest needs, that we just know that we cannot not do the thing, we're going to be misunderstood. When we choose to let God's provision be the thing that fuels our lives, when someone is telling us what our 401k might be and how much we're going to make, and oh my goodness, if you don't do this thing, you're not going to ever be able to move up this particular ladder, and yet maybe that's not what my life is all about. It's not a ladder life. Maybe it's about a life-giving life. Sometimes when we lean into the voice of God, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon or the evening and we go to a deserted place to pray, to hear this grander voice, this voice that says, you are God's beloved with whom God is also well pleased that we begin to lean into the thing that is not just good, but the thing that is great. And friends, as beautiful as this all sounds, sometimes when you lean in that direction, you'll be misunderstood. Jesus, why would you not? Go back. But this is what I've come to do. When I first felt called to um, preach about solitude, I thought it was going to be about, oh, goodness, you know, we need to learn how to just find space and place for quiet. But this wake has made me realize more, um, more and more how much it's important for us to practice Um, solitude in the midst of a noisy world. As we are situated truly um, at a time where people scream, peace, peace, and there is no peace, especially in Israel-Palestine. In the midst of what is um, a sanctioned genocide against Palestinian bodies. As we seek to keep our language and our actions from ever becoming anti-Semitic, and also thoughtfully not using language that qualifies the sacredness of Palestinian life. I am watching this temptation of people, whether it be online, social media, on the news, in the classroom, at our jobs, to want to micromanage our responses. I'm, 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 I'm watching almost more energy in some ways around, so what are you going to do, what you're not going to do, what are you going to say, what you're not going to say, are you going to be silent, are you not going to be silent, is your silence cowardice, or your silence being reflective? It's, a lo- it's just a whole lot of like, okay, I want to manage how you respond. Ooh. We're talking about lives. Not just about captions or posts talking about lives. And we're talking about lives within community because we we do not like somehow just put our hands over our ears and say that has nothing to do with me or with us. But our responses aren't just fickle. The same ones who come to Simon's mother-in-law's home just as important as those that Jesus says we are going to now proclaim good news in the nearby village. I don't take lightly ever um, being instructive in a pastoral moment. You know here at the Southeast Raleigh table, we always say we do everything out of a spirit of invitation. So in the moments when I do want to be instructive, please know that I don't do it just like willy-nilly. But in the midst of a world that... um, has a lot to say. There is something deep within me that is wanting to invite us to take seriously what it would look like to practice some solitude. To get away, and get away may not necessarily physically, you have to go someplace else, but in regards to like purposeful separation, that you might sit and lean into the voice of God in the midst of. And I want to share with you some ways in which you can actually practice solitude, because it doesn't have to look like going off to a monastery or taking a week-long retreat. You can take advantage of little solitudes that fill your day. The morning is the quietest time for me in my household. So sometimes, for five minutes, I will just lay quietly in the bed. I will offer up my day to God. The lists that are running through my head, before I put my feet down on the ground, I'm like, God, I have to give you my day. And sometimes that that cloistered moment on the bed is a little solitude. That space in between the time that I'm eating with um, with friends or with family members, when we get quiet within ourselves, it's purposeful that sometimes God's voice can fill that space. So take advantage of the little solitudes that you have that fill your day. Or develop a quiet place. Some of you have a commute in the morning, or the afternoon, or the evening, whenever you might have to go to wherever is work, maybe beyond the home. Maybe you typically live, listen to a podcast or this is when you call folks or you listen to people's Marco Polos or their audio messages. Maybe it would not be the worst thing just to like listen to yourself and let God speak. And then the last thing about um, solitude is that when you are purposefully drawing away, ask God to help you discern when you are hiding in fear, or retreating in peace so that you can be clear about, is this truly practicing solitude or is this hiding? And you can ask God, God, am I hiding? Or am I retreating in peace? There will always be something and the always some things that are happening in, the, in this world matter deeply. And our right action matters deeply. And our right action cannot be fueled on what other people want us to do at all times. Sometimes people will speak a word that might stir up something and their co-labors with God. So I'm not saying that there's never something that people say to us that might not help us to, to lean into right action. I'm just simply saying there are moments in our lives when we're like, God, I need you to speak clearly. I want you to speak clearly. And then for us to make the space for that to happen. Because it's people's lives. It's people's lives. Will you pray with me? God, your voice is so good, and sometimes, Lord, your voice comes like a holy haunting. But when we make space for you to speak to us, we trust that you speak clearly and that you give us a word. that we should live. God, I pray for my family here at the Southeast Raleigh table and for myself. That you would help us carve out space to be with you and for you, O God, who is always present to us to speak to us. God, right action is not right action beyond you. Who turns swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Who always lives on the side of flourishing and of life and of liberation. God, help us to listen to you. Lord, help us to listen to you. Christ Jesus, help us to listen to you. That we might be at work in the world in the ways in which you have called us. until all things are well until all things are good until all things are just this we pray in the strong name of your son Jesus who went to a deserted place to be and to get clear may it be so for us amen